So we're closing out the uh, church discipline class. Um, what I wanted to do, um, just to kind of s- summarize uh, many of the things that we've talked about, really it comes down to um, God's holiness, our desire to be like Him, and our acknowledgement that uh, for those of us who have been, uh, who have put on Christ, we are, we are children of, of God. And God, in His love, disciplines us at times. And so I wanted to read this section. <clears throat> Actually, if I could have someone read this section in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, we've, read it, we've read it before, but I'd love for us to kind of read it all together. Um, if someone would be really willing to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 14. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against him, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So the whole concept of this book was uh, based on this passage, specifically verses 10, and he mentions it several times, verses 14. Um, The desire is to share in the holiness of God. Because without that holiness, we'll we'll never get to see Him, truly see Him. And so there's there's discussion in this passage of, of striving, of... Uh, running with endurance, this race of setting aside the the weights of of sin that that weigh us down. 
um, keeping our eyes on, on Christ, looking at the objective. We want, we want to be with Him. We want to see Him. And then reminding ourselves that God does not discipline us or, or, or chasten us um, out of some kind of uh, hatred for us. It's in fact His love for us that prompts Him to do that. And so when we are called by God to do the same for each other, to at times uh, encourage and exhort, but sometimes rebuke and chasten and discipline each other, um, we're not doing it, we should not do it out of a, out of a sense or an attitude of, of hatred or bitterness, um, but of one of, of love. We are trying to help these, these individuals. <clears throat> I did... Um, I can only speak for myself. I think sometimes I've been unfair to this particular author. If I mention anything from the, from the chapter, it's just when I disagree with a particular paragraph. And I think that's unfair. I, I think he has done an overall an exceptional job in this book. He has brought forth some ideas that I have found extremely helpful, especially in, in chapter 17. And I didn't get a chance to, to point these out uh, before we summarize. But on page... On page 225, uh, I'm sorry, page 224, it says there at the top, Trust God. Many of our failures to discipline are traceable to one cause, fear. And the antidote to fear is faith. Rather than second-guessing God about what His Word teaches, we must trust that doing what He says and doing it His way will accomplish the good that he desires, and that no matter how frightening the prospects of taking sin seriously, God will be in control and will bless us. Remember that Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them, was spoken in the context of coming together to try and restore a sinning brother to the right way. Uh, skipping over to the other page, under the heading, Believe in the Positive Power of of discipline. And what I have appreciated very much about this book is changing our mindset over what this thing is. This is not, you've done wrong, therefore you're punished. We're really just trying to get you out of here. No, discipline is, is a mechanism that God uses to restore people. And so believing in the positive power of discipline, although most would acknowledge that God wouldn't teach us to do something useless or destructive to the church, our fears sometimes cause us to respond as if discipline were both useless and destructive. Much of the, our reasoning in this regard is simply false. And he gives several examples of, uh, of, of churches, uh, of Christians who have over time uh, taken a stand to not simply let sin go un, un, um, unseen or unresolved in congregations. Um, on the uh, page 226, the second paragraph, he says, Francis Schaeffer observes that the lack of discipline has caused the church to lose power, purity, purpose, and integrity. He particularly encourages, uh, enlarges on the last point. Our witness to a skeptical world is severely damaged when all we do about sin is talk while tolerating its presence in our midst. If we will show the world that we take both sin and holiness seriously, we will regain the integrity which we have lost, and our efforts at evangelism will bear more fruit 
than we dare imagine. And just this last paragraph. But the positive power of discipline extends beyond our impact on the watching world. Taking a stand against sin in a more than merely verbal way will also produce stronger, healthier churches. Even if our efforts do not always produce the positive result of restoring erring sinners, they will still fortify the faith and commitment of those who remain faithful. And in a world where we are dangerously close to blending imperceptibly with the unbelieving world, what a tremendous blessing this would be. God gave us discipline to build us up, not tear us down. Use it. And just that idea of doing what God calls us to do oftentimes makes us in stark contrast to what the world chooses to do in many areas. And that shouldn't startle us. It shouldn't frighten us. It shouldn't discourage us. We, we are called to be set apart and different. It's not our similarities with the world that will attract them to Christ. It's, it's the differences. It's, it's those out in the lost world who are, who are tired of what the world has offered them. They're looking for something better. <clears throat> and so... Um, his observation, and I, and I wouldn't disagree, his observation is that there is a temptation to try to blend in with what the world has to offer. And, and we do that in our homes and in our speech, in our churches, in our jobs. We don't like to be different, but we are called to be, and, and we ought to be. What kind of thoughts did you all have on chapter 17, on the book as a whole, um, or even in the uh, in the summary there on page two thirty. I thought it was interesting because um, when you think about a lot of um, churches, I'll use that in quotes, churches today, where you know everybody is welcome, not just because everybody like here would be welcome, but everybody is welcome. In the state you are, you don't have to change ever. God loves you no matter what type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can just see how what the world has done, what we have allowed the world to do to our own minds are what are allowing that to happen within various churches today. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of this pluralistic society, right? Yeah. There's no right or wrong. If you, Whatever your right is, is your right, and God's going to accept that. And um, we can, there, there's no way you're going to be able to expect any discipline in a situation like that because there's no need for discipline if there's never any wrong. Right. And I think that we have to, as Christians, we have to get back and realize, you know what? Yes, there are areas where there are, are areas of, of, um, of uh, what's the word? You and I don't agree. Uh, I, I'm Con- just, conscience sake? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Areas of conscience. But there are so many areas where there is absolute truth, and it's undeniable. And we have to get to the point where we can stand for absolute truth. And if we don't stand for it, then we truly are no better than anybody else that just accepts anybody and everybody for who they are. Right. And God's discipline helps drive that for us. Right. And it, it does seem a little counterintuitive, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Where the, the world has trained us for so long that we are all welcome. Everyone needs to be treated treated equally and in a sense 
that is true. The gospel is for all. Right. It, it doesn't exclude anybody. Young and old and men and women, it doesn't matter what language you speak or where you're from, it doesn't matter your economic state, everyone is welcome to come to Christ and let him change them so that we can all be like him. Um, but the world and, and, and many churches, and I'll put that in quotes as well, many religious groups want to say, come as you are and stay as you are. Jesus loves you and accepts you. Well, Jesus does love you, and he does accept you, but he loves you too much to leave you in that state that isn't in his image. He, he wants to remake you. He wants to, to mold us all in, in, in the image of, of God. Um, and so we've got we've to wrestle with that. We've, we've got to be mindful of that. We've got to see that that is what's happening in this culture and, and in many others, and instead say, you know, truth is this and and we've got to be willing to stand on it Um, that requires diligent study we need to know what truth is to begin with we need to know why it's the truth and be able to defend against it Um, we need to be willing to to honestly study and and change our minds if 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 someone is is able to show us from the word that perhaps we've misunderstood something Um, but the I'm okay, you're okay mentality of our culture is, is dangerous. I'm not okay. <laughs> you're not okay. Without Christ, we are not okay. And so we've got, to, we've got to come to Christ, be willing to be remade. And as we've been studying throughout this quarter, if after making that commitment to Christ, any of us chooses to abandon that and return to the, the uselessness of the world, we, we've got to be willing to to see that for what it is. Uh, their soul is now in jeopardy. It's in danger, and we've got we've to do what we can, what God calls us to do to, to save them. What other thoughts? David. Yeah, Jesus, yes, loves us, and he wants what's best for us. But who better than our Creator knows what's best for us? Right. And that's where the world gets messed up. <coughs> They take the position, you know, whatever you want must be what's best for you. And we don't do that with a little child. Right. Yeah. Right. They'll they'll hurt themselves. Yeah. And this is the same way. And so we, first of all, have to be convinced ourselves, but then also convince, convince others, those in the world, that the Lord's way is the best way for this life. Right. For this life, yeah, and and, and for the one to right. come. Um, I mean, what a blessing that following God's rules, even in this life, submitting ourselves to Christ and and allowing Him to, to change us and make us new, um, taking advantage of the grace and the forgiveness that he offers in this life offers many blessings. We save ourselves from so much trouble. But also, there's the promise that there is something even far better. And really, it comes down to, do we trust God or, or not? Um, I was having this kind of, this kind of meta conversation with, with Brad Brewer the other day. Um, where we, he was playing with something that his kids had, had gotten for Christmas that was, uh, I don't even know what it was, Karen. It was like liquid in a jar, but reacted totally strangely at the presence of a magnet. 
So we were talking about how interesting is that, that something that we cannot see with our eyes or perceive in any other way other than when the magnet gets close, something reacts to it. There is something there that I cannot perceive, but I see the evidence of it. And God tells us that there is a spiritual reality going on around us that we cannot perceive. But when he says, you have an adversary who is seeking to destroy you like a lion seeks to tear someone apart. Like, I can't see him, but I can see the the effects of him. And so do I trust him when he says, your soul is at stake? Well, I can't even see that. But I have to trust him that there's, there's something in me that is part of God's uh, likeness that is eternal in nature and God wants to preserve and, and wants to be with him. Do I trust him when he describes this realm that I cannot perceive? And do I trust him when he says, if you live this way and you reject my, my offers of grace, uh, this is that spiritual reality. Do we trust him? Do we trust him when he says, There are times when what is best for this erring brother or sister is to let them go and and let them them have the consequences of their choices. God in his wisdom says that oftentimes is an effective way. Um, It's it's hard to trust that sometimes. Um, But God has a perspective that, that we don't have yet. God can see what's really going on in a way that we can't yet. And, and we need to trust, trust that perspective. What else? Did I miss a hand? In the... Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say, just like you, I've appreciated the way he's approached it um, with our hearts instead of our minds a lot of times, you know, because we get... Sometimes we get too emotional in things like this. And it was a very good, steady reminder of the attitude in which discipline is to be administered, um, which I think we've said probably numerous times. Um, for those who have to administer it, the heart of, of that. And, and probably all of us have done that in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not to the full extent that it's had to have been done. but. You know, if you have a friend and you see them doing something or having a conversation that is just totally off base, you talk to them about it, you know, and that's like, it's nice if you can talk about things like that when it's without it continuing to go on, you know, um, and then they end up in, off on a path that they never even intended it to be that. I've appreciated a, a lot that, um, which I guess is his main focus of be holy as I am holy. And, and that uh, if we are disciplined to remember that we need to have that same heart, really it goes both ways. Right. Whether you're the one having to ex- give the discipline or you're the one having to receive it. And I thought it was very, very good to, for us to remember right. who's God we serve and the hearts that we are supposed to have really all the time, but especially when it's something so difficult like this. Yeah. 
and I know I know this this isn't true for everyone. Um, you know, uh, some of us have been 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 blessed with with parents. Some have not, right? Some of us have been blessed with um, with parents whose examples we we can. Mine is by by no means faultless. But how many of us, when we had children, came to appreciate perhaps more some of the decisions that our parents made with us? It wasn't until some of my own children did things, and I went. Okay, okay, now I see. Uh, that seemed maybe too harsh when I was a child. Or why did they let us get away with, you know, why did they show us so much grace here? Um, because we'd be, you know, spanked 24-7. The, the appreciation that we have for our parents should be, should be um, better understood. Uh, when we have children of our own. And I think that's why the Hebrew writer is doing this, saying, look, you're being disciplined as a father does for their child. They, they should then understand better uh, what's, what's happening there. And it should help us have the right kind of heart, have the right kind of attitude. Um, whether we are the ones receiving the discipline or if we are put in a position where, where we need to be uh, part of a, a church that is, um, is dispensing discipline. Um, that we have the, the proper attitude as a, as a parent would with a child. Did I see a hand? Tony, you were taking a breath like you were getting... No? Okay. All right. Well, then quit breathing. <laughs> would you stop that? <laughs> as long as this breath's not like deep sighs, because then I start getting worried. Uh, you're looking at your clock, you know, looking at the clock. And, um, I did like <clears throat> several of these. He, he just kind of bullet point outlined the book in this summary. And I don't know about you. I just kind of outlined, outlined the ones that, that really kind of jumped out at me. Number two, I appreciated corrective church discipline is not a burden God has placed upon the church, but rather a gift for helping us to be healthier and holier. Um, God's will following God's instructions for us should not be a burden. If, if we do the things he's required of us and do them with the right kind of heart, see them for what they are, it should actually get us to realize it relieves a burden. Um, and, and that's what, what church discipline ought to do if, if done in God's way. Did any of these jump out to you all? Any of these kind of speak to you? Number eight. I think we spent a lot of time on number eight. Number eight. Congregational discipline can only be exercised in the context of genuine fellowship and concern for one another. Apart from such fellowship, it is more likely to be destructive than constructive. Yeah. If the only time I'm coming to a brother or sister is to point out some fault in their life, how effective do we think that's going to be? But if... It's what a family should be, what a sibling relationship should be, where we're talking to each other all the time. We're, we're involved in each other's lives. We're genuinely concerned about them that when, and it's going to happen, when those instances do come up where I, I feel compelled, I, I need to say something uh, to address what, what's happening, the choices that they're making, they will be far more receptive to someone they know genuinely cares for them than someone it seems is is just trying to check up on them. Um, I, I really did appreciate the author 
emphasizing this throughout the book. Um, so that's on us. What, are, what, what can we do today to say, look, I don't know. You know, for those of us who sit on the left side of the building, I just don't know the people on the right side of the building as, as much as I should because it's so tempting. You know, worship is over, we stand up, and we visit with the people who are around us. What can we do to make effort to, to walk around, visit with each other, look at someone and go, when was the last time I had a conversation with so-and-so? I need to get over there and, and talk to them, um, see how they're doing. Um, have each other, not just, uh, you know, I gave the example of here at worship, but have each other in our homes, right? Be involved and invested in, in the church family throughout the week. Did I see a hand? Nope. All right. I felt like 11, 12, and 13 kind of all went together. Um, withdrawal of the church's fellowship is the most extreme form of corrective discipline and should only be used when absolutely necessary. Even the withdrawal of fellowship is not the final act of discipline. We must always stand ready to extend forgiveness to those who repent. This book did a good job in the verses that we looked at, especially the one in 2 Corinthians. It's not just how we interact with the person in their sin. How do we react to the person when they choose to return? Because we can, we can be destructive to that attempt if we don't respond in, um, in patience and in love and in a forgiving heart when, when those people do choose to return. The practice of church discipline will spare churches from the destructive activities and teachings of misguided people. That how we respond before, how we respond after will save us from destructive activities and teachings if we choose to do nothing on either side of that. Um, and, and we see that. We talked about that. We've seen that in our parenting. Um, the temptation may be, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. We all know that's not the case. <laughs> it's not the case. The child usually finds a different pitch to, to take their voice. Um, we, we can't look at at, at struggles, at issues that may be happening among our church family and say, I'm sure someone will take care of that. Or it, it'll, let's give it time and it'll fizzle out. Um, time may be necessary, but doing that in wisdom to try and help the situation rather than deciding, um, you know, see no evil. What other thoughts on this summary? Maybe going back a step, but um, I was just thinking about, you know, most of us have spent some time with family recently, and depending on how big your family is, it may be easier or harder to get around to everyone and, you know, feel like you're, everyone's included and we're all working together. Um, when a family is really large, that's harder to do and you kind of want to break off into smaller groups so that you could really connect with people. Um, and God's body, the church, or Christ's body, is the largest family. I mean, it's a huge family. And so, um, like in a family, when someone kind of goes off on their own, it's a lot easier when everyone swoops in and pulls them back um, so that everyone is, you know, actively joined together. Um, you know, 
this body is is big and so we we have to all be actively yeah. working to pursue that you know your family's bigger than mine is so it's easier um, this is this is our big family that we all are yeah. actively working to um, grow relationships together that's right that's right what I would like to do um, perhaps not with the remaining time we'll see we'll see how we do but I would like us um, I'd like to lead us in prayer um, not just uh, specifically mentioning these names although I think that's very important um, but again praying thanking God for for what he's done and what he does in our lives uh, praying for ourselves that we would have the right kind of heart um, in whatever stage of this process we may be. Um, I, I have a list of those that, that is sent out in, in that regular email. And I'll be honest with you, perfectly honest with you, I don't always look at those names every time. I kind of go through that email quickly and I, I need to be better. At act, these are people. These are not just names on a list. These are people. And I don't know all of these people, but our church family does. And God knows these people. He knows the number of hairs that are on their head. He knows why they chose to leave. He knows what it is that's going on in their mind and their heart. And so um, I want us to pray for these individuals. Um, I'm not necessarily going to go into detail about their circumstances, but God knows. And we need to be mindful. If these are names that you do recognize, if these are people that are um, in your sphere of influence, what can we do? What can we do to try and and help these individuals? Um, So um, let's go ahead and and use the time that we have uh, to pray. God, our Father, we come to you as as your children. Um, You have have chosen to uh, adopt us, to welcome us into your family. Um, We are undeserving of the things that you have have given to us, the inheritance that you have promised us. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you. we appreciate and, and love the family that we are now a part of. And we thank you, Lord, for, for your discipline. We, we thank you for treating us as sons and daughters, disciplining us at times as seems best to you for our good. We know that it's because you desire us to share in your holiness. You want that discipline to yield in our lives a peaceful fruit of righteousness. And Lord, we pray that we would ready ourselves to be trained by that, to not grow bitter at it, uh, to not resist it, but to allow ourselves to be shaped more into your image, that we would give up uh, the, the parts of ourselves that, that are contrary to you, that we would be the, the family, the bride, the body uh, that, that you um, desire for us to be. Uh, 
Lord, there are members uh, of our body that, uh, of your body, that have, have chosen to return to the world. And Lord, the, the reasons are varied. Uh, the circumstances are, are different. And yet the, the pole of sin and, and the pole of the world is, is the same. And it is strong and it is real. And we hurt for these brothers and sisters of ours. Lord, you know them. We just want to, um, to acknowledge them and bring their names before your throne. We pray for Kaylee Shearer and for Kyle. We pray that their hearts would be softened and that they would uh, again return to you. Uh, we pray for Darren and for Kurt. Um, we pray that they would, would recognize um, that nothing the world offers to them compares to what, what you have offered to them, what they have tasted and seen. Lord, we pray for Cameron Shepherd. We pray that he would uh, remember again uh, the truth of your word and, and return. We pray for Tim Monday. Lord, we pray that, and we know that you are active in, in uh, the lives of, of, of these individuals. We pray that something could be said um, to remind him again of, of what he knows is the truth. We pray for Monica, uh, Soraya, and for, for Deb, uh, Jalbert's mother. Um, Lord, um, be with them, help them. Give them what they need to um, to see the the sin in their lives and to return. Lord, please be with Kitty Swift. Um, she is far from us, but she is not far from you, Lord. You know where she is, and you know what she needs. Please be with Ron Brewer. We know that, that um, your word can touch even him, um, that he, had a, he has a desire. Um, and we pray that, that, that your truth would be um, renewed in, in him again. Please be with Steve Seabree, with Jimmy Shepherd. Lord, these are our children of yours. These are brothers of ours. Uh, we hurt for them. And we love them. Um, and if we are hurting um, because of their choices, we, we cannot fathom the hurt that you feel and the desire, the deep desire that you have um, uh, for them to return to you. We pray for Daniel Blakely and Danny Witt.
pray for Matthew Smith and Frank Harden. Your word, Lord, can change lives, can soften any heart. And we know that that it is capable, that you are capable um, of, of reaching these individuals. We pray that they would have a heart for you, that they would open their hearts again to you. We pray for uh, Raul Hennen, for Daniel and Trevesa Fisher. Um, these are brothers and sisters um, to, to many of us. Uh, as, as many of these are, these are, these are family members. Um, and we pray that you would be with them, that you would, you would help them and, and encourage them. And if, if any of us have, have influence or, or, or interaction with them, that you would provide us the wisdom and the words to, to know how to help. We pray for Nick and for Julie Owens. We pray for, for Erica Harlan. Lord, these are, are, are those that once named your name, that, that made a covenant with you, and we know that you have not given up on them, and we, we pray that they would not give up on you, that they would see again their desperate need for you. Um, we pray for Michael Cruteau, for Tammy Elmore, pray that you would open their eyes again to see the, the reality of, of what you offer, the goodness and the mercy and the peace and the comfort that they once knew. Uh, we pray for Brad Whitsitt. Um, we pray that you would, um, would make yourself known to him that he would see you again. Um, Lord, it's, uh, it's many names, and it's not, it's not done to discourage us. It's, it's, it's done, Lord, to remind us of, of these brothers and sisters that we love and care for. Um, you know them. You know their names. You know their situations and their needs, and we, we love them. We pray that we would love them with the kind of love that you have. Um, that we would try as, as we are able uh, to remind them of your goodness. There are many other names, Lord, that we could name that have accepted you or returned to you. And it is such a comfort, Lord, to see the, to remind ourselves of the rejoicing in heaven when one lost sheep returns. Help us to be active and busy to look for those, to, uh, to do what we can, um, to recognize when that may be happening before it's too late, that we can 
um, be invested in each other's lives, um, to see when there are, are, are troubles or doubts or, or uh, friction. Lord, that we would show genuine care and concern to each other, um, that we would be uh, a family as you desire us to be. We pray that you, the God of endurance and encouragement, would grant us to live in harmony with one another, in accord with Jesus Christ, that together we may with one voice glorify you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that we would walk in the light as you are in the light so that we can have fellowship with one another and that the blood of Jesus, your son, would, would cleanse us from all of our sin. We know, Lord, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what a gift, Lord. We thank you for being our good shepherd with a deep and a lasting love for your sheep. Thank you for your willingness to search for us and offer us grace and forgiveness when we stray. We pray that we would have humble hearts to turn back to you when we are that sheep, that we would submit again to your tender care and benefit from your provision and your protection. Lord, help us to love our brothers and our sisters enough to make effort, to know them better, to develop genuine fellowship. Help us to have boldness and sincere concern to speak the truth, but to do it in love, to exhort the weak, to admonish the idle, to confront the wolves, and to stand for the truth when others may try to stray from it or twist it or disregard it. Help us to strive for holiness in our own lives, to remove any logs from our own eyes so that we can see clearly to help a brother or sister in need. And help us, Lord, to put on as your chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as you have forgiven us. And above all, we pray that we would put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. May whatever we do in word or deed be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we give thanks to you, God, through him. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I know we've still got a few minutes. Um, <laughs> it's on this page of notes, and it's unrelated to church discipline, but it's what I did for the invitation the other day. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap 
if we do not lose heart. Um, what we do for each other in developing genuine fellowship with each other is good work, but it's work. And what we do to maintain those relationships, to help and strengthen and exhort each other when, when necessary, it's good work, but it's, it's hard work. But let's not grow weary. Let's not grow tired. Let's hold each other up. Let's encourage each other. God can bear fruit of our efforts, even if we don't see it now, even if it takes 20 years. Go talk to Raymond Dupree, and he'll tell you. And I, I get so encouraged, sometimes confused, but so encouraged when I talk to Raymond. And I, I, I love him because I didn't know him 20 years ago. But he shared with me enough to say, God was working on me the whole time. So these people that we've prayed for, these people in our lives, God's working on God. God hasn't given up on them. And neither should we. We pray for them. We help them as best we can. Sometimes we let them go when we need to and trust that God's going to work on them. He's not giving up on them. Was that our first bell? Okay. What, what other kind of thoughts? No more questions. We don't have time for that. <laughs> I pray that this has been helpful for you all. I think I can speak for both of us. Studying through this has been exceptionally helpful. Not easy. <laughs> Challenging. I've still got questions. It's okay if you all still have questions. I'm not going to take offense at that. And so we keep studying. We keep going back to this. We keep looking into it. These passages, maybe I'll end with this. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, we were talking about that. We mentioned verses in those, those letters a lot. Go back and read the whole thing. Read the whole letter. And I, I think it would just... Uh, it is always a benefit. It's always best to just read it as it would have been read when these letters were first delivered. Someone, the person in the congregation who could read, would typically just say it aloud to the congregation and they would read the whole thing. There would be great benefit. And go through those um, first, Second Corinthians, go through Romans. Um, first John is also a really good one. Uh, just read through the whole Bible. Um, <laughs> read through them and listen for the, the terms and the ideas and the principles that we've been talking about. And, and they're going to come up far more than, than, than you'll realize. I was struggling tonight to try and find what, what passage can I go to to kind of sum up the whole class. And I wanted to read the whole book of Hebrews. And I wanted to read the whole book of Romans. And So go home and do it. And I think it would, it would benefit all of us. Thank you all for the class. And thank you, Mike, uh, for helping with it. And uh, let's not grow weary in doing good.